Joining me in the studio right now, it is uh, Tahir Fudu, Lonati. I'm not sure uh, if, uh, if that is your name as well. Yes. Lonati yes. Fudu. Both of them. All right. Lovely stuff. Background, she got a background in public relations, marketing. She's a teacher, a dancer, a blogger, a fashion designer, a stylist. And what else? Yo, I, I mean, long history. <laughs> marketing, PR. Yeah. Yeah, psychologist. Psychologist. Well, I have a BA in psychology. Whoa, yeah, really? But I didn't go ahead, like further. Woo, okay. <laughs> All right, we are going to get into that. Um, good afternoon to you and welcome and uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me. I'm very excited. Lovely Absolutely. stuff. Okay, uh, starting with the name, uh, Tahiri. Yes. Uh, food. I, I, first time I heard your name, you know, I didn't know that uh, it was... Um, I thought you were a Muslim. Really? Ironically, now, off air, you were, you, were, you were saying that you didn't know that I'm a Muslim too. Yes, yes. So, what, what's with the name? So, my... Okay, so my name is an Arabic name. Um, it is my second name. Uh, it means the purest one. Hmm. And I was named after a very beautiful and iconic woman who basically was, um, you know, one of the forerunners and one of the women who uh, broke away from the Islam religion and went into the Babi, then Baha'i religion. And so in terms of me getting the name, my parents were Christian before and then they became Baha'is. And that's what is how a Baha'i? Baha'i is my religion. Okay. Yes. So basically we believe in all the different manifestations of God. So Abraham, Krishna, Moses, Zoroaster, Buddha, Christ, Muhammad, the Bab, the Baha'u'llah. And we believe that all of them came at different times for different situations in the world. Mm. And therefore, um, the latest one is Baha'u'llah. And that's who Baha'is believe in. And that after Baha'u'llah, there will be another manifestation because the world changes, mm. right? We need social um, rules. We need different social rules that adapt with the time. And and each one came for those situations and, and the world progresses, right? Mm. And it's like going to school. In grade one, you learn certain um, aspects and you need those aspects when you go to grade two mm. and grade three and grade four. You don't lose what you learned before and we need those principles we need those social um rules in order to function wow. so that's what baha'is believe in okay so you know like in islam right islam we believe in all the prophets who came through i mean all of them that you have mentioned right yes. now and it's, it's so I, i'm just trying to understand um i think the first time i heard about baha'i is when i met you yes yeah I've, it, 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I saw there on your on your status, I think it was on WhatsApp, if not Facebook, where you said Baha'i. I was like, okay, what is this? I started googling it and finding <laughs> out what's what's this all about. Yeah. But yeah, I, anyway, thanks to uh, thank very much for joining. Um, so, where do we begin? There is just a lot of <laughs> <Where>? things. <laughs> There's just a lot of things. You were born here in PE, right? Yes, I was born in Port Elizabeth. Yes. Where exactly? In Greenacres Hospital, to be exact. No, no, no. I meant like uh, in space. Um. So I um, was born and the first couple born of years bread, no was... Kwadwesi, actually. Kwadwesi. Yes. Okay. So the first three years. So I, I don't really remember yeah. <laughs> that much. 
Then we moved to the western suburbs, which is Rowellen Park. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, basically lived there all my life. So sure. that's what I know as home. Mm-hmm. Um, even going to Eslalini or the Lalis, it's not something that I'm very familiar with because it's something that we did occasionally. But mm-hmm. for the most part, home is Rowellen Park. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at a um, couple of things here. Um, a PR... And then you have you have BA in psychology. Yes. And then you are a fashion designer. Uh, wait, <laughs> the fashion designer part. I have interest in fashion, so more styling than designing. Okay. And I yes, I I'm more on the sphere of um, styling people or or have the thrift boutique as well, and that is a very big interest or passion project that I have that I started while I was in university. Mm, how did it come about? That it is a very interesting one. So it basically started with getting to university and you know when you walk around and people are wearing the same thing as you? Mm. <laughs> like, well, I, I don't want to look like everybody else, yeah. right? So it was more of a vain or selfish reason. Mm. And people would ask, like, where, do you, where did you get your pants? Where did you get your top? Where did you get this? And so a friend of mine um, encouraged me, actually, to, hey, look, you're into this. And this is something that you enjoy doing. And I love thrifting. Mm. Thrifting is a very big part of my identity in the sense of, Economically, back then, because you know, as yeah. a broke student, yeah. <laughs> can't be going to the commercial stores. Yeah, and, so you and have to hit the other you side. You have to hit the other <laughs> side be- and make it work, yeah, right? And yeah. still look good and feel good. Mm. So that's how it started. And they were like, "Wait, why don't you just make a business out of this?" Mm. So I started with the uh, with Thrift Boutique informally. Okay. Talking to uh, different people, interacting with different people because I was in the entertainment space at that time as well. Mm. So I was doing gigs, I was doing (laughs) a whole lot of things. We're going to get into that. Yes, yes. So that's how it basically started. And I would do pop-up sales in different parts like Western Road or the the, the festival. I don't know if it still happens. Mm -hmm. Um, As well as NMMU as well. I used to do pop-up sales there. And then, but for the most most part, everything was online on Facebook. I wonder why you're still referring to MMMU. NMMU. <laughs> NMU I'm, now. I'm old school <laughs> like that. I'm, I'm from... You know? Yeah, I know there's just a few people who like, uh, you know, like putting the entire thing there, NMMU. Like, oh, oh. It's NMU. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yes. I'm not offended. I have not, I've never been there. But yeah. But how's the culture of thrift here in uh, South Africa? Um, maybe let me let me start from uh, PE. Okay. It It's there. Uh, people are craving it. People like a good... Everybody likes a good deal, right? Mm. Especially if it's really good quality pieces that, you know, nobody else will have. And that's why a lot of people do it. It's mm. economically friendly as okay. well as making sure that I have something that is of good quality and nobody else has it. So you won't be walking, you know, randomly in the street and, oh, there we go, uh-huh. right? So... It, it, it does give a sense of individual uh, individualism mm. and and just uniqueness. Mm. And that's what I liked. Um, okay. I liked to, or I still do, like looking unique and different when I get into a space or a room. Awesome stuff. So by the time you uh, started up um, Thrift Boutique, 
Right. Um, how was the reception? How did people receive it and, you know, the support? You know what? Um, it was amazing. It w- people were craving it. And, you know, I, I had a lot of, um, I had a lot of, you know, clientele and mm. whether old students from, from all spheres. Mm. One thing I did learn is that I did not know much about business. Yeah. So I had the passion. I I knew that okay this is what I like to do but the business aspect of it is where I lacked. Mm. So it did fail or I wouldn't say fail but it did you know it went through that phase. It went through that phase yeah. of what am I doing? Yeah. You know and living hand to mouth sort of because I would get the clothes sell them at a markup and then you know that that was that mm. but um i'm learning and i have learned and how to go about you know um now that i'm back 6 years later because mm. i did take a break for some time all right and yeah people are very receptive to it mm. and now you have a clientele like the entire south africa i do <laughs> i do so is it online it is online. I am on Instagram and Facebook. And basically, I will post the clothes. I will try and, you know, uh, be funky with it and show you how to style the clothes. Mm. And then you just DM me and say, okay, look, um, I, I want this, that and the other. And then I send it to you via courier. Or if you are in the city in Port Elizabeth, then I will, I will deliver it myself. Yes. Awesome just stuff. to have that interpersonal relation as well. Definitely. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm in a conversation today on a casual Thursday with uh, Tahiri Lunati Fudu, Lunati Tahir Fudu, um, who is, um, I can say, an entrepreneur as well. I am. Yes. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, she's, she's got a background in uh, public relations as well, uh, marketing. She's a teacher and all those kind of things. But coming back to um, the, the life or the culture of uh, thrift, I don't think there is much of thrift in South Africa compared to other countries. Absolutely. You you know, I was just checking out a page on Instagram and in the United States, for instance, just as Mm. an example, Mm. it is a real thing, you know, and getting those... Thrifting really? is a real thing in the United States where you get those vintage, you know, sweaters mm, mm. and vintage sneakers. Yes. People, you know, buy really expensive sneakers, wear them a couple of times and then, you know, they yes. sell them again. So it is a, a big market overseas. Mm. And I really and I think it's growing on this side. It's slowly but surely it is growing and more people are not as, you know, um, self, well, they are more self-aware, but at the same time. They're not as self-conscious yes. about second-hand clothes. Mm. And that was a very big thing back then. Because I did think about it. I'm like, why would people want to wear second-hand clothes? Yeah. For me, it made sense. Mm. But um, at first, like I said before, it was more of a vanity oh, thing, yes. right? Mm. Wanting to look different. Yes. And then growing up, where I am right now, it's more of a sustainability thing where you're saving the environment. You know, what's happening with the landfills is crazy mm. you know where first world countries are dumping you know um clothes do you know that there are 32 seasons in a year now in Whoa. the fashion industry where oh in the fashion industry in oh, the fashion right. industry okay. in the sense that it's no longer buying clothes to sustain you for a certain season mm. it's what is fashionable therefore the material that's being used is not conducive for the environment oh, either. Oh, I see. So this is more than just buying secondhand clothes. This is also part of 
you know climate change yeah. and and helping the environment and making sure that these landfills in third world countries are not being filled and things are not just being dumped mm. and people don't know what to do with it and most importantly it is it is <laughs> the pocket it is economically friendly <laughs> compared to you yeah. know and i'm all about saving the pocket definitely because you can look good but you know there's this ways of switching it up mm. so you can wear those expensive sneakers yeah. and jo- or expensive shoes and zhuzh it up with a thrifted pair of pants you know a nice top and you know a, a local design you know hat or whatever it yeah. is but you can switch it up and i guess that's where the difference between fashion and style comes in okay. as well all right and that's so, where i come in <laughs> oh okay we are going to get into that the difference between fashion and style so you know like when it comes to sneakers we spoke about usa and all those kind of countries um every time i'm looking for shoes in these shops yes i'll go and see okay there's a nice jordan there but looking at the price i'm like no mm. ways i can get, <laughs> i can get one of the, oh, i mean of the same nature maybe, maybe even the quality better than these on thrift. Yes. If I can just ask a friend of mine, you know, across the country. Exactly. And why is that? Why is it um more expensive here versus elsewhere, right? Mm. So those are the things that a lot of people don't think about. They just, you know, I need to get this. I need to get this. And also shopping is a habit mm. for a lot of people. Yeah. So how do we then have a balance between shopping for a need, shopping for a want and and balancing the two because yes, if I want something I sh- I should be able to get it. But at the same time style versus fashion and then what goes beyond that which is you know climate change the environment is a sustainable mm. also people that are working in these factories the, that's also something else to think about as well mm. where you know supply and demand supply and demand because yes. we are in a world where it's instant gratification it's it's want 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 mm. but what are we we don't think about what are what we giving, giving back mm. into the environment that we still need to live in as well sure all right you know there was a time i was uh, in nairobi i always bring up this story uh in kenya i think in kenya thrift is also big it's huge right you know there's a market there they call it gikomba okay yeah it's a huge market where you are going to <laughs> i need to go there yeah. You know, like the market there in the evening, that's where uh, everything starts. Let's say right. from around four or five, uh-huh. you know, going down there. And I bought like a couple of clothes. I promise you, when I counted, it was not even more than 100 rand. But I, I was I was bawling. You right? Know? I looked There's like, nothing more satisfying than a bargain, right? I was like, whoa. So if I have, let's say, 1K in this country, mm-hmm. I, can, I can have... Um, fashion for days you literally you may have things that you may not necessarily wear immediately you will yeah. be sorted for the next 3 to 4 years which is what mm. we want as well because you, the amount of money going out you need to think about other things that you want to do as well you can't spend all your money on mm. in one space mm. there are so many other things to explore there's traveling there's experiences there's activities so Yes, we want to look good. We want to be comfortable. We want to be stylish and fashionable, but at the same time, how do my responsibility would be how do you find ways to make it economically friendly because we are sure. living in Cyril's economy yes, right now. Yes. So how do we make it econ- uh, economically friendly yeah. as well as looking good and fresh and and feeling good? Mm. Because that was my thing as well is whatever i win is, is is it's also about my mood and yeah. and so how do i make sure i i feel good and it's about what i'm wearing 
before I even step out of the door. Definitely. So now let's come back to the uh, style and, 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 and fashion. What's yes. the difference between the two? Okay, this is just my opinion. I hope people don't come at me for this one. Yeah. But, you know, like I said, there are a whole lot of seasons in retail, right? right. Which is, I don't know, a good or bad thing. But it, for me, it, it's quite problematic. So how do, how do you, you know, there's a difference between wearing something and and wearing it because it's fashionable because that's what's trending right now mm. or wearing something because it feels good it looks good and and you are exuding this level of confidence as well mm. so for me um one of the i remember being at nmu at the crawl right i had a pop-up sale way back in 2015 no 2014 and you know there are random pieces there yes and because with thrifting you only get one Right, mm. you're not going to get, get it again somewhere else. Uh, yes, you're mm. not going to get it again somewhere else because it, those pieces are unique. They're supposed mm. to be unique, and so this one lady came to me and she's like, "Look, I I like this, but I don't know how to wear it." Mm. So I gave her some ideas. Hey, you can wear this top with this, that, and the other, just to visualize it. And there are those type of people out there who need to see something on a mannequin in order to get. Mm. You know the picture, or yeah, you know, and that's where I come in. Yeah. Where you know this loose, you know, shirt. How do you wear it in different ways? You can wear it with a skirt, with a with a pair of pants, with tailored pants, with jeans, um, with shorts. You know, how do you wear it to the beach? How do you wear it on a night out in in different ways? Mm. So that's what I put on my page as well on sure. on Thrift Boutique on Instagram, where I show people that you know. You can get a collared shirt and you can tie it up or you can, um, you know, tuck it in in your pants or you can wear it out. You can wear it with heels. You can wear it with sneakers. How do you wear the one piece in, in many different ways? And that's where styling comes in. Mm. Now, instead of thinking, oh, I need to wear it because that particular person or that particular way that, you know, retail has shown it to me, that is the only way I can wear it. Mm. So things like maxi skirts, yeah. wearing it as a dress, mm. you know, for some people it's like, wait, what? But wearing it as a boob tube dress, you know, mm. or wearing it and with a jacket yeah. and you can wear it out. You put a belt and you have a, a sure. different look. Okay. So there are just so many who says you have to wear this shirt this particular way. I can wear it the other way around mm. and the buttons are at the back and then you know, it's a totally different shirt or a different style. Yeah. So it, it's very important for people to, I feel, to be self-aware, mm. not only for the environmental side, but also, you know, their bodies and, and how definitely, it makes them feel. Definitely. And, and bo- body positivity as well. And, and being able to be versatile with your garments. Mm. You know, like I used to be an old school, of course, I'm still an old school guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what, jeans, t-shirt and sneakers. We're done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a baggy, you know, baggy pants and mm-hmm. all those big clothes and all the stuff. Um, and then my sister was like, come on, when are you going to change this? Right. Yeah. Right. And then I changed, uh, uh, like, I don't know when it was. And I, I tried and it didn't feel good at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I felt like, man, I was naked. Mm-hmm. But then after a long run, seeing how I looked on the mirror, in the mirror, in the photos, like when people are complimenting, I was like, okay. Right. So this actually, you know, wearing clothes that fits. Wearing clothes that fit, but I I like baggy, you know, tracksuits and and such, but it's for a particular place or for comfort. I'm all for comfort, right? 
Um, so there are different ways of looking at it, and and. I guess the sociological side of it comes in, right? Mm. I did study sociology, so that plays a very big role. How you were dressed as a child, what you were told about how to dress, um, what wearing certain things mean Mm. is also a very influential part of how we dress as adults as well. Sure. So we... That's what I meant about looking at it from a different perspective Mm. than just, oh, I'm I'm just wearing this because it looks good. But... How does it make me feel? Why am I wearing this? Why am I a person who only wears jeans day in, day out? And mm. I don't wear this, that on the, or the other. Because our background also influences what we, what we wear. Definitely. And how we wear it, where we wear it, and how it makes us feel. Mm. And we don't realize the psychological aspect that clothes also have on us sure. as well. All right. I know, like, this is your passion. And uh, when it comes <laughs> to the we can talk all day and uh, the entire week, we cannot finish the conversation. Yes. <laughs> so how did this uh, marketing consultancy uh, come in? Marketing came in also during university. So I used to work at rehab stores. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, before that, I also worked in retail, right. right? And I think that's where... I got to get an understanding of how retail works mm. to an extent and what fast fashion is and and what it looks like and what it does to the environment as well. Mm. So later on, I got into entertainment where I used to host gigs, All right. you know, parties. Yeah. Yeah. And I used to make a bit of money doing that during varsity. because money. <laughs> Yes, I used to make a bit of money doing that. So hosting um, events, I used to work at the stadium for some time in hospitality. I used to work at weddings. Mm. In so in two thousand and nine, I actually I took a gap year, mm. and I worked as a waitress as well as a dance teacher. Sure. So that's where business, just working and and being in different spaces, um, and how I ended up in the situation I'm in right now mm. came from as well. Mm. So working as a dance teacher because it was a passion. Um, you know, even went to Canada yeah. um, on a scholarship to to do dancing as well. And sure. it, it was something that I, I been passionate about since I was eight years old. Yeah. And yeah, so I went to Canada, went to the United States and got to perform and do all these different things. Mm. Lovely time. Yeah. <laughs> I left when I was what, 16? And then came back, worked as a waitress, and yeah, and I, I I worked in entertainment as well. Awesome stuff. Are you a Gen Z or a millennial? I don't even know. <laughs> What's the difference? Yeah, I think I'm a millennial. Millennial. I was born in 1990, so... Uh, millennial? Uh, uh, yes, I'm a, am I a Gen Z? Yeah, then what is all, all these people now? Millennial 80s and all that. Yeah, 80s, 90s. Uh, 90s. I think uh, uh, the Gen Z... millennial. Has, yeah. it was before the 2000. So, oh, yes, 2000 yes, on. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I'm a millennial then. Okay, cool stuff. <laughs> all right. So, Canada, USA, China. Where else have you traveled? I've been to nine countries. Nine countries. So, I've been to, okay, Lesotho and um, Malawi. Oh, you've been in Malawi? I've been to Malawi, okay. yes. I stayed there for about 20 days or so. Where? Lilongwe, Lilongwe. Yes, okay. I didn't get to go to Blantyre, yeah. unfortunately. Awesome stuff. But I went to Lilongwe, then I went to Chinteche. 
the the in between along Lake Malawi, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I remember oh, I'll never forget this. We, you know, I'll go a bus. Yes. So imagine going on an Algoa bus for seven hours. <laughs> <laughs> and people are coming in. Yeah, and ha- I thought they had a baby, but mm. it was a chicken. Ah! <laughs> you know, so um, so that was my experience living in the villages. Yeah. And it was amazing. Why were you there? How did you go there? Baha'i service. Oh. Baha'i service. So went there to teach the faith and to also encourage other Baha'is that are there, mm. you know, to carry on and also to be part of the community as well mm. um, in Chinteche. Yeah. And um, that was that was a very interesting experience. Wow. Okay. Very interesting. We are going to come back with that chicken part there because I feel like I'm exposed. <laughs> <laughs> so your experience in USA, in Canada, um, when you compare, and China as well, when you compare to uh, South Africa, what is it that you can actually maybe highlight? That that's a very good question. I think with all the different countries I've been to, I've had different experiences, um, especially because. I've been there for different reasons, right? So Lesotho, for instance, I was very young. I was about 14 or so. So I, I wasn't very aware of what's going on around me. Yeah. Yes, uh, you know, there, I mean, there's not much to see in yeah. Lesotho. Then with Malawi, I was a bit older. So and that was a conscious decision to go because I went for Baha'i service mm. and um, had a bit of drama getting there because my passport had expired without even Whoa. realizing six really? months before that. Sure. So I had to go get a temp and then, you know, it was mm. quite tumultuous to get there. But I was happy but still, that it is still easy to, to navigate around those countries when you just uh, put the money in the passport. Uh, well, I don't know about <laughs> that. It, it was on this side. It was on this oh, side. Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> It was on this side. They were like, oh, do you have another passport? I'm like, no, No. why? I had forgotten that it had expired in June and this was December. Sure. So I had to, my friend left and Mm. then I had to go get a temp passport to then, you know, leave. Mm. So that was a different experience. Um, Got to, you know, go around Lake Malawi and go Mm. to different um, villages as well and, you know, experience people and that was amazing. Then after that, we'll be before that was Canada. Mm. I was there for a year. That was for school. So with that experience was mainly because of uh, my dancing um, career that I was trying to pursue. Mm. And literally dancing was one of the subjects that I did. And I got there. I, rem- I will never forget this date. It was a Wednesday. By that weekend, I had my first performance. Yeah. And I had to perform Saturday and Sunday Cause, and I had two days basically to learn different dance routines. Mm. So that was one experience. And then in between all of that during my spring break, went to Atlanta. And that's when I got to go to the United States. Um, mm. I was actually supposed to go on a dance trip, but I didn't and went to Atlanta instead. And the idea was to uh, try and look for a university where I can actually pursue my dance career. And then later that year, I went to L.A., and that's when I got an opportunity to actually dance in Hollywood. I'll never forget this. Yeah. Um, you know, a story for another day, it, long story. But yeah, I, I got that experience. And then later on, the next year, I went to Israel on pilgrimage, uh, mm. Baha'i pilgrimage, because Baha'is go to Haifa um, for their pilgrimage. So got to do that for nine days. Then after that, yes, China, Philippines, Thailand, Hong Kong, where else? Yeah, 
think so those, it, are, those are the nine, yeah. Wow. So in all these countries, actually, you, the country that you have stayed most is China, right? I stayed in China for four years. Four years. Yes, I was there mm. for four years as a teacher. So I was teaching in PE before that yeah. and for two years um, online. Okay. And I was teaching students from three, four years old to adults. So mm. business English and uh, conversational English and such. And I did that for two years. Then I decided to leave. I did. I, I wanted to go to South Korea first. Yeah. That was my main focus. Yeah. Then China was just the easiest one to get into at okay. that time. So mm. that's how I ended up in China. And stayed there for two years. And then... No, sorry, for four years. Mm. And yes, um, it, and it was an amazing experience as well. How are the Chinese like in terms of um, respect? Um, Racism. Racism, yes. yes. That's a big question. Because I remember there was a time um, you, were chill- you were chilling on the grass with your friends and now you had a couple of Chinese guys. Yes, yeah. yes. That was on a hiking trip, actually. Yeah. Oh, gruesome hiking trip. Uh, <laughs> my friends hated me after that one. Yeah, what happened? But um, no, you know what? We went into, let, let's imagine you're going to Lusigisigi, mm. right? Mm. It, it's the same concept. Yeah. So we went on this group hiking trip and uh, for a weekend and basically after the hiking trip we decided to hang out have a snack you know afterwards it was a good 21 kilometers i, I if i Whoa, not mistaken 21 kilometers climbing upstairs yeah like literally climbing upstairs sure throughout this this was crazy no but for you being a dancer i don't think it was much uh you know, I mean, I love task. hiking. I, mm. I absolutely love hiking. So I, I was, I was okay with it. But your but friends. my friends were like, "Why <laughs> did you drag us here?" You yeah. know. Um, but what happened was, from my experience in terms of the Chinese, it's more ignorance than it is racism in my oh, experience. Okay. So imagine a world where you have never seen a particular type of person, especially mm. in person. Mm. Um, because we do know that they are censored, right? Um, you need certain uh, ways to get access to the rest of the world in yeah. terms of social media, TV, and so on. Yeah. So I looked at it in that sense. So yes, you will get on the train and people will touch your hair. You will... You know, be walking around and everybody's on their phone taking videos. It, from the three-year-old, four-year-old, you know, staring at you to the mm. old granny, you mm. know, with their phone out. And the oldest of the oldest know how to use their phones on that side. So you will have those experiences. Mm. But the way I chose to embrace it was how I carry myself. Therefore, that's what they will learn about whether it's Africans or people from outside the country. Yeah. So we did go to remote cities. My friends and I would travel to remote cities and that's just how I chose to look at it is, yes, it, it, it's a, I'm a strange looking person. Yes, my students as well, they would come to me and, you know... But I don't think, you know, like in the 21st century, I don't think there is a country where um, seeing a black person is... It's like a, a strange thing. Yes, but seeing as a, a black person... Now, imagine 20, 30 years ago, you meeting an American mm. is different to you meeting an American now, now in the yeah. sense that you know of Americans on TV mm. versus knowing an American in person. person yes. And you will have a lot of questions. You'll be curious, yeah. right? Um, so imagine for them, the the 
maybe black people that they would have seen are your basketball players or your soccer players. That's that's something that they're and they're American as well. Mm. Now you have a person with strange looking hair or you know this afro or you know this dark shade of skin mm. and they've just never seen that before. Like a friend of mine um she had visited Shanghai that's where I was based. All right. She was from a different city about 3 4 hours train ride away. Yeah. Very remote city mm. where in 2021 they were building their first KFC, right? Whoa, really? One. Two. So she had not seen KFC in that city mm. until then 2021. Okay. Two. There were she was one of five foreigners in the whole city. Mm. So imagine that where you have a city full oh, of now you it's know, understandable, yeah. it, and they'd never seen a black person or a white person for that matter mm. and it's why is your skin so pale why why is your hair so blonde why mm. you know why why are your eyes so blue or green yeah is also it's just the same with oh your skin and also the person next to you is even darker than you but your you know so there's a lot of questions and curiosity i remember when i was a kid right um in malawi uh, uh, when we saw we saw these um white folks folks coming through and we we could follow them you know like yeah. uh, try to touch them and so for it was about curiosity not uh, racism yes. and all that trying to understand yes. what was happening there wow and Did that's you- not to say nobody experienced that yes. i i can't speak to that it's just my personal experience and mm. that of my close friends we had not necessarily experienced it yes there is a level of ignorance where it gets it gets frustrating as well in the workplace yes. and that was something that happened like for instance um teachers and mm. getting selected to be a teacher in a particular type of school mm. is it an american international school is it a english school is it a chinese school who gets selected for what because who are they to chase money right yes. but at the same time you have certain people who will be chosen for certain roles as opposed to a black person Definitely. being chosen for a certain role and that is a fact that is something that we saw and that is something that we had to deal with as well so what about food i hear you guys um eat some frogs uh, some monkeys yes, and I all did. that so you ate some frogs i ate frog i probably ate a dog i prob- <laughs> i ate eel um uh, <laughs> ate <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, you never know. Um, in 2021, my friends and I went to the mountains in Morganshan mm. for our New Year. We decided not to, you know, do the festive thing. Yeah. So we went to, to, went to this remote um, place in Morganshan and, you know, snow, mountains. Yeah. It was nice. Yeah. And I remember us taking a walk. And at a distance... You know when you see like a, a pig being um uh, what do you call a spit bry yes, right? yes 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 same concept now mm. imagine at a distance you're seeing <laughs> spit this, this, uh, no it, it's just an animal hanging from a washing line right whoa as we get closer we're like hey what's going on there yeah and we're like but the shape of that animal is looking kind of you know <laughs> as we get closer you can see the texture mm. you can you can see the coloring and all of that yeah. and realize that's a dog yeah and there are certain parts of the country where dogs are hunted and people eat dogs just the same way we eat a cow a sheep a 
you know, a chicken. Mm. It's the same concept for them because nothing goes to waste, right? (laughs) (laughs) I can't imagine. (laughs) Nothing goes to waste. Mm. That's how I looked at it. It's Mm. they're very economical and practical people. They nothing goes to waste. You eat every part. There was a time eh, um, when um, I was still young at that time. I think it was I was like three, five. I can't remember properly. I only remember like a fragment of of that a particular moment. Uh, uh, the, there was um, okay. My grandmother sent yeah. one of the ladies at, at at home to buy yeah. to go buy meat. Yes, she bought the meat. When she uh, uh, um, the grand I don't know who was who was it. My mother when she came through, she asked where did you buy this meat in town, mm. and then the lady said we, we bought it at a certain, place. certain place. Said, no, that was a dog. The guy got arrested now, <gasps> and everybody at that time vomited. Right? Oh my god! Yeah. Everybody got sick. Uh, we just vomited. I don't. I don't think. I can't remember if anybody got sick, but we yeah. vomited. That's all I can remember. Just because we were told. It was Is it because dog. you were told, exactly. right? Not because if you had eaten it and mm. you know you didn't know. Yes, yes. What would have happened? Hectic that's why. That's why I was saying I've probably eaten a dog mm. without even knowing it. I've probably eaten cat without even knowing. It. There was an incident where I was like, this meat is just a bit. It's a bit too soft. It's yeah. a bit too, you know, I wouldn't say overcooked, but mm. it, 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 the texture was a bit strange. Yeah. But there was, I remember going for dinner with my Chinese colleagues mm. and went to a Chinese restaurant and we ordered frog and it was Whoa. amazing and I loved it. <laughs> and I ate eel. Sure. Uh, we went to a, another remote place and I ate some eel and probably other things I can't remember, but hey, Try it mm. once and be able to say, okay, it's not my thing, yeah. right? But I'm, I'm fine. I'm okay. How many languages do you speak now? Did you learn any, any language, Mandarin and Chinese or Chinese itself? I did learn how to speak Mandarin. I did go to classes. Okay. Do I remember half of it? I yeah. don't know. <laughs> how do you greet in Mandarin? Uh, ni hao. Ni hao. Ni hao ma. Yeah. Ni hao so ma. when you're on the phone, it's ni hao, ni hao ma. And then in person, you'll say ni hao. What is shishini? Shishini, uh, shishini is is thank you. Oh, shishini, yes, but thank it's you. it's with respect, oh, right? Okay. Uh, so you'll say shishia, mm. or depending on which part of China you're in. So it's shishia or shishia, mm. um, or shishini, which is yes, I get you, thank you, thank you. Lovely stuff. Yeah. Okay, yeah. and also, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you are a broadcaster as well. Um, yes. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a second. Yeah, so broadcasting, I started um, in 2015-16, not necessarily broadcasting um, in the respect of what you're doing right now, but Mm. I was news reading for um, a community radio station Mm. just to learn a new skill. Um, I was actually sort of in the interim of leaving for China, Mm. so I didn't have much to do. I was teaching online, but I, I just wanted to learn a new skill. So I decided to do news reading. I enjoyed it. My dad was on radio for about over 10 years. Mm. Um, so All right. it, it's something that was, yeah, it was a seed that there. was mm. that was there already. And he's he had taken me a couple of times and I was like, oh, yeah, I could do this. And I understand he passed away, right? He did pass yeah, away in well. three months after I left for China. Oh, yes. how did that feel? It was a whirlwind. Because I know you guys were, were very close. <laughs> yes. I re- the last time I actually saw you yeah, was you with, with him. Yes. Yeah. Um, it was a whirlwind. So got to China end of August, started my new job, training, all of those things. And I just remember a month later, he was like, I'm looking for a burial site. 
Hmm. What are you talking about, bruh? And we used to do that with each other, right? Yeah. Like, bro, like, what are you saying? And um, that was in September. And then October, he got really sick. And November went by. And I, I remember December getting a phone call from my brother. It was a Monday. Mm. Getting a phone call around the 16th of December. And he said, you need to come home. Mm. And I was like, what are you talking about? Because mm. I had heard a voice note from my sister-in-law. She had sent me a voice note from the doctor. They were in the consultation and, you know, talking about, okay, he has six months left. And so I'm thinking, okay, I have six months. I'm prepping. I'm trying to get settled here, but I'm prepping to perhaps yes. go back home. Mm. And so I remember a couple of weeks later, my brother's like, it's time. Mm. I'm like, what are you talking about? And I was on my way to a trip that day. Mm. <laughs> And so I got the phone call and that was a Monday, the Wednesday he passed away and I was leaving that Monday. I had planned to leave that, no, that, that Wednesday, sorry, to come back home and he had passed away that Wednesday. So he knew um, that he was going to he die knew. and then he decides to look for a barrier site. And That's what he told me, advice. yes, yes. I remember in that video call. You know, my mom was behind him doing her own thing. And as he said that, I'm like looking at him like, what? And at the back, she's like, I don't know. Sure. I don't know what he's talking about. Mm. So I think he was also trying to prepare me. Mm. Um, but what, what gives me peace and solace as well is that I think he just waited for me to, you know, get settled, yes. do my own thing. He, and because when I left South Africa or left PE, mm. it was beginning of August, we have a picture actually of the last time I saw him. Okay. And it was my mom, myself and my dad. And he was healthy. He was fine. He drove me to the airport. Mm. And, you know, I think he, he waited for me to just have that picture of him being okay mm. for me that for the next time I saw him was, you know, yes. in his in his coffin. But it, I'm okay. And I'm how, okay. how how's your relationship with your mom? It's very good. Mm. It's very good. We're building a relationship. I was closer to my dad. Yes. But just as close to my mom. But we had a, a, a very interesting relationship with my dad, right? Like, mm. we spent a lot of time together. Mm. Um, but with my mom as well, it's now that I had been away for so long. Mm. And now also learning her, having her best friend um, being taken away as well. Yes. It's a different shift. And so we're also relearning each other because I'm a different person to when I left in 2018 mm. versus now, right? Yes. And so, you know, we're, we're doing very good and, oh. you know, we hang out quite a lot. Oh, and that's we, great. We have very interesting conversations now, mm. very adult conversations as right. well. <laughs> so we progressed and, you know, we understanding each other a bit mm. more as well. You know, every time I see um, young girls, let's say 13 going up, <clears throat> I always ask myself, like, what kind of conversation I'm going, I'm going to be having with my daughter when she reaches this age? Right. Like, it's just that kind of thinking. Because now I know it's all those petty conversations, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like, we're not so, so like, uh, all together most of the times. Yeah. And seeing you and your pups and uh, the relationship you had, I felt like that was so cute. <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> we were really close. We mm. were really close. Um, I missed his memorial that was in, because he was buried in, he is buried in Durban, okay. right? And so they had a memorial in January, which I couldn't attend because yeah. I had to go back to work. Mm. And I remember my siblings saying, you have the most pictures with your dad. Mm. So 
you know, can you send us some pictures as well? So we had a very close relationship. Mm. Um, and that's why it, it was so easy to even have a conversation about him mm. after he passed away. Yeah. Um, I remember going back to China. My friends were not sure how to, you know, navigate themselves around me. And I was always happy to talk about him because mm. I've always had happy moments. Yes. And he made sure we had happy moments, Lovely. including my siblings as well. And mm. it was all about family, about unity and just being happy. Mm. So, and we went on a lot of road trips. We had a lot of experiences together. So, I'm always happy to talk about him. There's always um I mean there's there's a, there's a saying I can't remember clearly how how it goes, but this says daughters see the world through the eyes of the father. Yes. I don't know if and I'm the, saying it correct. The daughters yeah. the daughter's first love is, is their the father yes. as well, yeah. Awesome stuff. So, coming back to um other other things here, other happenings of the world. Yeah. Um we have seen kind of different events. We're in Women's Month right now. Right. And probably you have seen the, the trend of um, the clicks situation with hair and all the stuff. Before. Yes. I think that time you were still in China. Yes, I do yeah. remember. It was clicks and discam as well. Yes, yeah. yes. And now recently, I think it was two or three days ago, um, I saw a clip of a, a principal who is white um, fiddling, playing around or pushing the, 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 the girl child who is 12, if not 13, mm-hmm. and the mother, you know, in a, in a classroom. And the fight there was about the, the hair, the hairstyle of the girl. Right. She's got dreadlocks. And right. it was nicely, tightly tied behind mm-hmm. here. And there was like a... What a you call ponytail. It? A ponytail, yes. What, what, what do you call it when you put it together? Oh, a, a bun. A bun. A bun, yeah? Yeah, yes. so, yeah. <laughs> yeah a bun. Yeah, so it was actually... It was it was nicey and tidy and all that, right. but uh, they said this child was taught not to have the the dreadlocks, dreadlocks, her extensions, you know, extensions. Mm-hmm. But they said no, it is not extension; it is actually her hair. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So it's a thing right now. The country is kind of divided. Some people are saying no, there is code of conduct at the school right. that these people should follow. Yeah. Some people are saying no, this is just some kind of a racial a stunt that has happened here. Mm. So, you as a woman yourself, mm. you have gone through the phases and all the stuff. What could be your stance or your take on this? That's a very good question. I mean, we can take it back to the time of, I think, an incident happened at Pretoria Girls a couple mm. of years ago, about yeah. five, six years ago or something. Yes. Where the girl who's, I think she's half black, half Indian, and she had the afro. Afro. And, you know, the kid was complaining that they couldn't see past her hair, Whoa. look at, uh, see the board. And she became the, you know, sort of Winnie Mandela yeah. of her time. Yeah. And you know what? Um, one, there's lack of education. Mm. When it comes to the other side, on both sides, mm. right? There's mm. lack of education, I feel. Right. But this may sound controversial, but if you are getting into an institution, you have to sign a code of conduct. Definitely. When you, are, you, when you sign a work contract, you read the contract and you sign it saying, I agree with everything in that contract. Mm. So the question is, how many parents actually read that code of conduct, that fine print? 0.5%. Okay. So <laughs> with that, it's a case of you agreed, right? Whatever that may look like. And you had time to question it as well, mm. right? Mm. But you agreed. You signed that piece of paper. 
And now you may have agreed because that was a school my child could get into. You could have agreed because that was a very good school and I had hopes that my child is going to get into that school. Mm. But at the end of the day, you agreed to what the school uh, rules are or the code of conduct is. Mm. Now, am I saying that that man or that teacher was correct in, in physically attacking um, the mother and the daughter? Absolutely not. There mm. was no need for that. Yeah. Um, I don't know the full story, but... At the same time, it's lack of education. There's ignorance there. And we have to point that out that um, there is a level of ignorance when it comes to white people understanding what black people have to go through in terms of hair, dress, Mm. and so on. Mm. Now, on the other end is what I said before is asking those questions before you sign that piece of paper. Because I remember I used to go to Alex, mm. right? Uh, my first high school was at... I went to three different high schools. Okay, which Alex is this? Alex, Alexander Road High. Okay. Right? Yeah. I went to Alexander Road High and I remember my my siblings had gone there 10, 15 years before that or so. Alright. <laughs> but how they were treated then and how we were treated when I got there is totally different as well, right? Mm. Because there was a level of education that was done or, or you know, um, instilled in the in the educators mm. in order to deal with the influx of black kids coming into the school, the influx of coloured kids coming into the school. You know that it, it's it, it's a different dynamic to having to deal with white kids, where a boy has to shave their hair a certain way, a girl yes. has to have a ponytail. We can't necessarily have ponytails all the time, yes. right? So we're going to have our relaxed hair and we're going to comb it down because having a ponytail is just not conducive for us. Definitely. But at the same time, what does that mean, mm. right? Do I have to now relax my hair in order to have a ponytail? Why can't I have natural hair? Oh, because now my natural hair looks a certain way. Now, that's also a problem. Mm. But I remember even uniform was an issue. And the the influx of standard sixes that came a year after, we came in wearing very form. Those standard sixes that came after a year, they um, petitioned for uniform to come back, which mm. is the uniform that my sister and my brother used to wear at the same school. Yes. And they tried to stop that. Mm. And the idea behind stopping it was... For kids to be comfortable, wear your sneakers, wear your shorts and your golf shirt and you'll be comfortable at school because there's other things to worry about. You know, there's two, there's two incidents that um, just happened recently uh, before I, I go for a break. One is of a, a young Muslim girl mm-hmm. who is actually was, was, was playing, uh, I mean, she's in judo. Mm-hmm. Right, so she was on the competition. After that was done, um, she did well. I think she came first position, if it's not second. Mm. And it, when the time to take pictures, the group photo uh, was so ever to receive a medal. Yeah, she was sidelined because she put on what the Islamic attire. Right, and. <clears throat> The, the, the organizers say, no, it's because the, the, the rules here say that you don't have to wear any headgears and all that stuff. You just have to be in the judoji, uh, mm. which is the judo attire mm, mm. only when you're coming on this platform. So now they had to give her the medal besides the podium, you know. So that has actually caused some kind of division in the community. And also another issue was uh, two girls as well who um, were denied entrance to, uh, access to school mm. simply because they were wearing pants. You under know, their, under, under the skirt. skirt. Yes. yes, that also caused some kind of stir among the community. Mm-hmm. And for me, I've been vocal about taking a look at these documents right. before you admit yourself into anything. Any institution. Make sure uh, that you, you read through everything. Mm-hmm. If you don't have anyone, I mean, if you don't know how to read, I mean, there are so many people around you. Right. 
take it somewhere let someone read it for you right. and even go to lawyers you know and let them help you understand yeah. or your priest or your you yes. know like somebody that mm. is in a space where they can proofread it or explain it to you right yeah um and it goes both ways it's it's yes they have a right to do what they did in the sense of that is their religious um practice, practice. Yeah. whereas on the other end it's but you signed a code of conduct and the uniform states uh, or the code of conduct states that the uniform needs to be worn in a certain way because the school has a reputation to uphold or the school has an image Mm. not reputation but an image Mm. right but with all those conversations I feel you know you know how there's a whole lot of things going on in the world right now yeah. and we feel I mean things have been going on in the world Definitely. for years and years and years right mm. turmoil that mm. is but I really feel like we are at a stage as humankind or as a people to also discern mm. right and and we're, we're at a state where we I think the system is crumbling yeah. whatever system that may be yeah. right um, the system is crumbling to such a state that we need to rebuild Hmm. and for for any system to be rebuilt it needs to crumble case in point what happened in Bree Street in Johannesburg Hmm. the streets crumbled but it goes to show how you know certain systems are not in place right certain systems are not doing what they need to be doing now we need to reevaluate certain systems and say okay cool we've been doing this for so long Is it really working? Does it apply to now? Just the same way I explained religion as well. Yes. That we go through these phases as humankind in terms of religion. Mm. Same thing is we are at a phase or, or at a space right now where we need different social rules. We need a different way of governing. Sure. And we need to take a look at that. And case in point is... The schooling system. Mm. I know I was struggling with certain schooling systems, which is probably why I changed schools so much. Mm. Where I did not appreciate the conventional way of of, of doing things, of there. doing things, mm. and that's probably why a certain level of things suffered. Right? Definitely. I was looking forward to after school more than I did, you know, during sure. school. Really. I did. I was more cultural and social than oh, academic. Yes. So I looked forward to certain things after school that made me happy. But how do you then, as a, a, a country, look at those things that there are different kinds of learners, kinesthetic learners, audio learners, you know, um, and how do we cater to those people? Yeah. And we can't say the money's not there. The money's there. Definitely. <laughs> I, but I think... <laughs> I think uh, the most important thing is what we have highlighted here. And also, when we look into these things, um, we just have to find a way to speak to the organizers, uh, maybe the principals and whatsoever. You know, like, okay, this is who I am. Uh, are you going to allow me to practice mm-hmm. ABCD? Mm-hmm. And then you have an understanding there. Ladies and gentlemen, in the studio, I am in a conversation with uh, Lunati Tahirifudu, uh, just speaking about life and culture. What do you think about gender equality? Um, I really believe gender equality is important. I mean, in the Baha'i faith, um, it is one of the principles of the Baha'i faith that men and women are equal in the sight of God. But what does that mean? Not to say that men have their particular role and women have their particular role, but how how does that complement each other, mm. right? And so if you're talking about women equality, yes, of course, um, 
women should be given a fair chance to be able to present themselves when it comes to um, jobs and and how to function in society, right? And I feel that with jobs, it should be on merit rather than your gender. Mm. Because if we're talking about men and women and separating the two, now you're going back in in the 70s and before that where, yes, of course... Women are the nurturers. Women are the childbearers. Therefore, the men have sort of less responsibility when it comes to the home than the men. Mm. I mean, than the women. But at the same time, you have more... I mean, my dad was a house husband at some point, right? Okay. What does that mean? Um, so, so, And he was taking care of the children while my mom went to go get educated. Mm. What does that look like? What does that mean? So roles are sort of reversing or changing or intertwining to an extent. And again, I feel that, like I said before, the system is crumbling. Whatever system that may be that you identify yeah. with. But the system is crumbling mm. because... I truly believe that any man-made system is going to crumble at some point, right? Because it's man-made, because it's not perfect. And if you do not look at it from, I believe, in a spiritual sense, Mm. it's going to be very hard for you to navigate a whole lot of things. Mm. So going back to equality of men and women, yes, men and women should be equal and they are equal in the sight of God. What does that mean in reality and in the physical world? It means giving credit where it's due. It means being able to be given the opportunities equally and Mm. therefore whoever wins, wins in that situation, Mm. right? Because there are just... As, as many women who have kids and there are just as many women who decide not to have kids what does yeah. that mean for them mm. just because they're a woman now they can't get into a certain job because the the employer anticipates that this person might have issues with children might have issues with this this that and the other yeah it, it's not fair so true all right um so now after everything that we have spoken about here someone might be wondering okay um i might need be i might need me a piece of uh, uh, thrift and yes. maybe I need to be styled I need to be fashioned in whatever way mm-hmm. how do we get in touch so on Instagram it is thrift boutique PE on Facebook it's also thrift boutique PE and all my details are there so all you need to do is let me know as well what you would like um, mm. if you are looking for something to be sourced that I don't have on my page mm. and I will try my very best to source don't it go out to for shame. you <laughs> I'm not bashing anybody <laughs> in fast fashion yeah. but yes so I will try my best to source it out for you um, other than that yes just uh, go on the two pages and yeah just DM me and we can talk from there and then I am supposed to I might be it might be premature but uh, we're getting into things like musicals now where mm. they need to be um, the costume designers are looking for um, stylists and, and wardrobe so I, I do that as well mm. and so yes hit me up and I courier to every part of South Africa awesome stuff alright so in uh, closing last time I checked you had an event somewhere um, any new projects coming up any new projects um, for the next three months I will be getting into cinematography ok 
Okay. So that's something else I'm putting on my belt. So I did uh, do pro- uh, broadcasting. So I am an accredited broadcaster. So live on air presenting, news reading, script writing. I do write scripts for uh, one of the universities here in South Africa. Awesome stuff. And um, yeah, so and media production as well Mm. and so now i am layering it with cinematography and directing and i'll be doing that for a couple of months and yes if you go on my social media i'll be you know putting feelers out there of the different projects that i'll be i'll be working on awesome stuff ladies and gentlemen um that was uh tahiri um lunati just uh, having a conversation here <laughs> about life and culture, her experiences and all the stuff. I didn't think this is how the conversation is going to end up to. I um, know, right? From 30 minutes to, <laughs> to, <laughs> to almost one hour, to, uh, 15 yeah. minutes of sort. Yeah, actually, this is what happens when you do unscripted, uh, you know, kind of right. situation. Right, I love it. I'm yeah, here for it. Awesome stuff. Tahiri, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you as well for inviting me. Lovely it was fun. Stuff. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely.